G'day and welcome to another episode of Left After Breakfast, coming to you from Melbourne, Australia, broadcast from the studios of 3CR, your only radio left. My name is Susanna Duffy. In this episode, we'll be looking, of course, at the voice referendum again. There's only one week left, listener. I'll take a look at Dan Andrews and his legacy. And the BL from the bush will give us a wonderful tribute to Maxie Duggan. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet www.3cr.org.au Dan Andrews was a Premier who did his best for the state of Victoria, a leader in social reform and ensuring equality for the marginalised as far as his colleagues would allow. But when it comes to Dan, history will judge him well. And he leaves on top. He defeated a first-term government at the first attempt as Labour leader. With each election, he increased his majority and left the opposition in tatters. Truthfully, if an election were held last week, he would have won even more seats. He drove wedges into Murdoch's tabloids, into 3AW, Channel 7, Channel 9, Channel 10 and even the ABC newsroom. And he ran rings around the shock jocks. His press conferences were a masterclass in how to handle snarky, petty and blatant hostility from the petty pricks and jumped up wannabes of the press pack. Remember, 120 days straight. He never ceased praising first responders, doctors, nurses, paramedics, emergency workers and those who put their lives on the line. He supported working people and the less well-off. He gave unwavering support to LGBTQI, to First Nations, to the elderly and to the disabled. He gave comfort and hope and a voice to victims of past abuses. That's a hard record to match. Dan Andrews leaves a legacy of being the most progressive Premier since Don Dunstan in South Australia 50 years ago. Dan Andrews gave Victoria the first voluntary assisted dying laws, abortion law reform and supervised injecting centres in Australia. He also looked after the unglamorous nuts and bolts of governing, such as the removal of those dreadful railway level crossings and, of course, our new metro system. All of those people who worked on the big build during the darkest days of the COVID pandemic. What a premier. 3CR I don't know about you, listener, but I was pretty shocked to see that wealth inequality in Australia has significantly widened. There was a new report released recently by the University of New South Wales and by ACOS, and it highlighted a stark contrast between the richest 20% and the poorest. 
with the wealth of the richest growing four times faster than the poorest. Between 2003 and 2022, the wealthiest 20% saw their average wealth surge by 83%, with the top 5% experiencing even more than that. Meanwhile, the middle 20% saw a 60% rise and the lowest had a 20% increase. So yes, we've all gone up a bit, all of us apparently. But the overall growth in wealth across the entire population is almost entirely due to superannuation, which saw a 155% increase in value due to mandatory savings. So this demonstrates that super does help build the wealth for people on low incomes, although the wealthy benefit to a greater extent. Property investments, they're usually associated with what John Howard called mum and dad investors, but it's highly skewed to the wealthiest. The wealthiest 20% own 84% of all investment property. The report, of course, called for affordable housing and a fairer tax system to reverse the trend of increasing wealth inequality. Of course, maintaining higher income support payments would help. We'll go now to the BL from the bush, who has a moving tribute to Maxie Duggan. Max will be really missed. I'm only sorry that I couldn't attend his funeral last week. It was a long way away for me, out in Altona, and I had been to that same funeral place only the week before that, and I know how far it is and how difficult for me to get to on public transport. So I'm sorry that I didn't go, but I was there in spirit. So here's the BL. Yeah, g'day, comrade. Hello, listener. BL from the bush calling in from Wiradjuri country. Always was, always will be. Yeah, it's a bit of a sad note today, listener. Um, attended a funeral last week of an old uh, staunch builder's labourer, Maxie Duggan. Yeah, finally packed up and uh, left the scene. Yeah, Max was a, uh, a staunch builder's labourer, as I said, and uh, shop steward, activist. Max was also a, uh, a victim of deregistration and um, suffered Max and his family suffered hardships through the uh, blacklisting of different unions and also uh, the MBA and government. But as we've always sort of done, listener, in years gone by, we would just have a bloke called Bob Manko. Now, Bob used to uh, bring his guitar along and we'd have a bit of a sing and Bob would always sing a song when we'd lost one of our comrades and it was called The Dying Builder's Labourer. Now... He used to sing it, and I certainly ain't going to do it. So what I'll do, listener, I'll just go through the words with you, and we'll have a bit of a tribute to to Max. So, dying builder's labourer. An old builder's labourer lay dying. His heart had supported his head. All around him, his workmates were crying, and he leaned on his elbow and said, Wrap me up in me overalls and scaffold belt, and bury me deep down below where the bosses and coppers can't get me in the shade where the tower cranes don't grow. He'd worked on all kinds of construction from dunnies to buildings so high. 
Now he was drifting and dreaming of the rub-a-dub-dub in the sky. He toiled all over Australia, north, south, east and northwest. But being as unbiased as a Collingwood cheer squad, he swore Victoria was the best. Take the jackhammer out of me asshole, take the pick handle out of me brain, take the concrete dust out of my stomach, and you can use them all once again. He'd been staunch all of his long life, no scab, he'd never be friend. And looking straight into his mate's eyes, he said, I'm union right up till the end. Then raising himself up for the last time, he gave out a mighty big yell. And falling dead onto the concrete, he damned all bosses to hell. Wrap me up in me overalls and scaffold belt and bury me deep down below where the bosses and coppers can't get me in the shade where the tower cranes don't grow. Well, that's uh, a tribute to Maxie Duggan. That's Max all over. So, yeah, just letting you know, another good uh, unionist, builder's labourer, uh, gone to the building site in the sky, as they say. Well, he's got, over the time, he's got plenty of company, so... Oh, yes, and uh, yeah, I'll go out in the same old way. Dare to struggle, dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Good morning from Left After Breakfast, the only show left. Vote yes for the referendum for the voice to Parliament. Thank you to the BL from the bush. And, yeah, farewell, Max Vale. And here's a bit of music for you. Blind. 
Alistair Hewitt with Roaring Jack, of course. Alistair's been gone from us for a long time. 3CR Once again, just who is paying for the no vote here in Australia? Well, you wouldn't be surprised to know that Clive Palmer is actually throwing in $2 million. Not that he'll miss $2 million from his billions. But he's chucking in $2 million into advertising this coming week, mainly across Tasmania and South Australia. Why is Clive doing that? Who is actually running the No Indigenous Voice to Parliament campaign? Well, quite a number of people, really, both in groups and individually. Let's have a look at a group. Recognise a better way. This one is headed by Warren Mundine and it does not support the truth-telling and treaty commitment in the Uluru Statement from the Heart. Just remember that the group Recognise a Better Way does not support the Statement from the Heart. Also remember that Recognise a Better Way was launched in Tamworth in March featuring Senator Pauline Hanson, Barnaby Joyce and Alan Jones. Now that's Recognise a Better Way. You get a fair idea what they're on about by that lineup. Another high profile group is Fair Australia, which is a subsidiary group of the conservative, highly conservative political lobbying group Advance Australia and supported by Jacinta Numpanjimpa Price, who is the country Liberal Party Senator for the Northern Territory. Numpanjimpa Price was originally part of the Recognise a Better Way, but parted ways with that group to go to Fair Australia. Now, this lobby group, Advance, please bear with me a moment, it gets convoluted here. Advance is partnered with Whitestone Strategic, the self-described Australia's Conservative Campaign Consultancy. Whitestone Strategic has worked with Fred Niles' Christian Democratic Party and the Australian Christian lobby head Lyle Shelton. Whitestone Strategic is also partnered with a US marketing and fundraising firm by the name of R.J. Dunham, which states as its aim to help Christian ministries fulfil their mission. This company has worked with a California megachurch and a Texas service which counsels women against abortions. So if you thought that the tactics of the no side to the voice to parliament smelt something like conservative Christian US politics. Well, you weren't wrong, were you? You hit the nail right on the head. Now we come to Facebook. The lobby group Advance, a powerful organisation in the no camp, run three Facebook pages. 
one page is highly critical of the Labour government and The Voice, regularly mocking politicians and campaigners supporting the referendum and claiming that The Voice is radical and dangerous and completely changes the way our democratic parliamentary system functions. But the lobby group Advance also runs two other radically different referendum Facebook pages. One of these pages is titled Not Enough and it pushes quotes from prominent Indigenous people including Lydia Thorpe and Celeste Little. The Not Enough page reasserts We deserve better than just a voice. This page notes that the concept of constitutional recognition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people came from the conservative side of politics. That page, Not Enough, looks at first glance to have some reasonable arguments in it until you notice that their sponsored ads are paid for by Advance Australia the highly conservative campaign consultancy lobby group. The third Facebook page run by Advance Australia is called Referendum News and it portrays itself, it claims to be neutral news source about the vote, but only posts news articles highlighting criticism or scepticism about the voice. So Advance Australia is running at the same time conservative arguments, progressive arguments, as well as running a page that on first glance looks like a neutral information source. But all three of these pages say no to the voice. There's a fair whack of money involved in this. Facebook ads are not cheap. Between 30000 and 40000 for a targeted campaign and advance are running three of them. So you have to ask, where's the money coming from? Who put up that money to pay this lobby group? Who is willing to pay out for a no vote? Advance also ran a full-page advertisement in the Australian Financial Review. And it's a stunning example of old-fashioned racism and sexism. The ad depicts independent MP Kate Cheney sitting on her father, Michael Cheney's knee, and he's handing a wad of money to Thomas Mayo, well-known Indigenous campaigner for the Yes 23 vote. It looks very much as if Thomas Mayo is dancing for that money. Above these images are the words, Don't worry, sweetheart. It's just shareholders' money. Kate Cheney is portrayed as a child in a little teal dress. Michael Cheney is the chairman of West Farmers, a corporation that has been a significant donor to the Yes campaign for The Voice. Both Kate and her father are vocal supporters of the Yes campaign. Peter Dutton has already criticised businesses which have supported 
the Yes vote to Parliament, including Bunnings, which is owned by West Farmers. He said, Every time I hand over my credit card to Bunnings, I don't want part of that money going to an activist CEO. More Trump-style politics from advance, with a throwback to the Jim Crow era of the Deep South of USA. Australia does not need racist and sexist advertising like this. I'm wondering if Australia needs the Australian Financial Review. 3CR Well, listener, I seem to be all doom and gloom the last few weeks, but that is because, of course, I'm worried about the referendum. What I'd like you to do, what you should do, is go out there and talk to people. Tell them why you're voting yes for The Voice. Tell them why they should be voting yes for The Voice. Try not to get into any fights about it. It's easy enough to do that, I know. But let your views be heard. Let people hear you. Not just your friends and family and work colleagues, but people you meet on the train station. I always seem to be talking to people on the train station and on the bus stop. I get out and about too. I had a couple of conversations in Burke Street Mall last week. And of course, my usual haunts. Queen Victoria Market, the supermarket shopping centre and the local health centre. Plenty of people to talk to down there who didn't understand about the lies. It's really up to us, to you and I, to explain these things to people because there's not much going on for the yes folk that I can see. There's that terrible pamphlet that I received from the Australian Electorate Commission. It was awful. It is awful. And very hard to read, much less to comprehend. So, seriously and sincerely, it's up to us to explain things to our fellow citizens of Australia. Why we need yes to the voice. Why we need a resounding yes to the voice. And Marcia Langton explains what will happen if we say no. I urge Australians who are as yet to make up their minds, don't imagine that there's another opportunity around the corner. Don't think your no vote goes in a different pile marked next time. In this referendum, there are only two options. A yes vote that delivers recognition through a voice and all the hope and healing it represents. By adopting the the Uluru Statement's invitation for us to all walk together in a movement of the Australian people for a better future. Or a no vote which binds us more closely, all of us, to a broken status quo. Another turn of the cycle of poverty and disadvantage and disempowerment. The levels of abuse against the Yes campaigners, including death threats and uh, daily published insults and abuse, uh, takes a toll. And I think our generation of leaders will hand over to younger leaders and they too then will become targets 
like Adam Goods, like Stan Grant, and the cycle will continue. And in this regard, I think the media has a responsibility to lift their game in reporting on these issues and not participate in pylons on persons who are good and decent people. Yes, let's all walk together for a decent future. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the ride. See you next week. Same time, same place. Until then, it's cheerio and ciao from Left After Breakfast. And I leave you with Mitch Tambo. Yanni.